Spirit this morning is going to pour out a fresh anointing upon all of our lives. And you and I are designed to carry the anointing. We're designed to live by the anointing. And so I wanted to start with, you know, this first statement, the anointing is the difference. The anointing actually makes the difference for you and I. Uh, when we face problems, when we face challenges, when we face assignments, when we've got to get things done, we've got to, we've got to walk a certain way, live a certain way, speak a certain way, um, be shaped a certain way. The anointing is the difference. Can I get everyone to say the difference? And so Isaiah 10, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, I want to start with this scripture. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, if you're turning to whatever you're utilizing this morning, it says this, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed. Everyone say destroyed. Because of the anointing. So in our text this morning, we find in this scripture, the nation of Judah uh, is in one of their most difficult times, one of their most challenging times. And the Assyrians have burdened the, the nation of Judah They've burdened them with despair, they've burdened them with defeat, they've burdened them with desperation. So it's a problem. There's a problem going on uh, for a group of God's people. But here the prophet uh, heralds a brighter future. He declares that there is a promise for God to, to turn the problem around. He, he declares through this scripture a great deliverance. He de- declares a great breakthrough. He declares there's going to be a great answer to prayer. And how will this be done? And in the scripture, how it's done is because of the anointing. It's going to be the anointing that destroys the yoke. And that's what he's declaring. For you and I, it's the same thing. The anointing that Holy Spirit brings into our life, ministers to our life, activates into our life, refreshes in our world. The anointing is the difference. It's the thing that breaks and destroys the, the, um, the, the, um, the yoke. So notice this, the yoke, which is the problem. Everyone say the yoke's the problem. It says here in the scripture, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. So it would seem to me that if I wanted to break, not destroy, but if I wanted to break any yoke in my life, then it would mean that, um, you know, the yoke could actually come back together. There's a difference between the word break versus destroy. But if I wanted to go from the problem to the solution, I want to destroy the problem. Uh, And that would mean I need to find out, well, what is the problem? I need to look into it and then I need to apply the solution. And so it's the anointing in my life. It's the power of the anointing of God in my life that destroys yoke in my world. Now, understand the phrase here. It did not say the anointing would break the yoke. For anything broken may often be put back together. It says the anointing would destroy the yoke. That's an important difference, church. This is why we should have a desire and a hunger to always reconnect with Holy Spirit and ask for the anointing of God to keep over time always being ministered to by the anointing, to to come close to Holy Spirit in the presence of God and say, God, uh, please pour out a fresh anointing upon me. It also means when we look at the word destroy, another word is annihilate. I love that word, particularly hitting the T right on the end, annihilate. Right? The anointing 
annihilates the yoke. And so that means that the yoke is completely gone, totally gone, eternally gone. Who likes the sound of that? So that's the power of the anointing. It's designed to destroy the yoke. So if we want to go from the problem to the solution, then we need the anointing. And that's why we should be people who are positioning ourselves always to have a top-up, a refresh, a refuel, whatever you want to call it. So first of all, what is a yoke? A yoke is a device for joining together a pair of draft animals. So you can see examples of oxen uh, kind of carrying a yoke and it connects them. Uh, and especially oxen who, you know, usually there's like a consisting of a cross piece with two bow shape pieces and each enclose the head of an animal. So it's actually a yoke is a sign of a way that uh, you control certain people. You actually ensnare them so that you have control. Who thinks that a yoke sounds like it's not a nice thing? Yeah, yoke is a yucky thing, particularly spiritually. Uh, A yoke is an emblem or symbol of subjection or slavery, an archway under which prisoners of war were compelled to pass by the ancient Romans and others was called the yoke. A yoke is an agency of oppression, subjection, another word again, slavery. And so the Bible says that the anointing is designed and will, not maybe, but will destroy the yoke. So now there are many yokes that can bind us for various reasons. Do we believe in the blood of Jesus? Yes. Do we believe in the name of Jesus? Yes. But I know that there are some Christians, over time, we make choices. We sometimes make choices. We, we get into stuff that we shouldn't or we, we, we kind of don't do certain things that helps us to strengthen our faith and strengthen our relationship with God. Sometimes we do things that, that counteract our relationship with God or minimize the positive momentum of our relationship with God. Why? Because we're human beings. We're not perfect. Sometimes we make mistakes and we can pick up bad habits and we're on this journey of, of progress with the Lord. But even though, yes, we're saved and uh, you know, we have the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, the reality is, is that as we walk out, like the analogy of a soldier in an army, when you're in battle, when you're living on planet Earth as a Christian, it's a battle. right? Yes, you have all of these tools that God gives you to have a victory. You're called to be not defeated, but to overcome. But you have to fight sometimes. Who's ever found that? And when you fight, you can get scars. You can get wounded. You can get hurt. You can get, have the enemy sometimes can push back or create a setback on your momentum. And all these analogies are like the army of the Lord. The yoke is an example. Sometimes we can be inflicted with a yoke that the enemy assigns to us. It can oppress us and hold us back. And so we call on the power of God. We call on Holy Spirit to come afresh in our our life, position ourselves in the presence of God where the enemy flees, where the anointing destroys destroys that yoke and again sets us free. But it's an ongoing uh, kind of a, a, a progress where we're always having to reconnect, 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 reconnect with Holy Spirit, particularly while we're living in a fallen place called the earth where the enemy roams around trying to kill and destroy and steal our identity and our anointing by trying to, at times, put yokes on us. Sometimes yokes can be directly spiritual. Sometimes they could be our thought life. And sometimes they can just be situations. So there are physical yokes, sickness, disease, infirmity, health issues, mental yokes, depression, fear, anxiety, financial yokes, debt, poverty, theft, Family yokes, children on drugs, rebellious teenagers, marriage problems, habit yokes, drugs, alcohol, etc., etc. Everyone say good news. But I'm here to tell you that if you want to go from the problem to the solution, well, you have the solution that will get you to the solution, and that is the anointing that destroys the yoke. And knowing this, 
we can know that the anointing is not just something that makes the difference. The anointing is the difference. It's the anointing that is the difference. It is the difference. So what is the anointing? So we've looked at the yoke. Let's do some teaching on the anointing a bit specifically. So let me answer a couple of questions this morning about talking about three, three things concerning the secret power of the anointing in your life and my life. Is there anyone here who's really keen to hear this teaching this morning? Okay, just taking in. Anyone here is hungry? Okay, good. All right. So first of all, I want to talk about the origination or the origin of the anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is referred specifically to that oil that was used in the Old Testament that symbolized God's favor. It symbolized God's approval. It symbolized God's presence and his power. And over a certain individual for a particular office or assignment from God, there was an anointing that came and was placed upon them. So, for example, in the Old Testament, the high priest was anointed with oil. The furnishing in the tabernacle were anointed with oil. The kings were anointed with oil. The prophets were anointed with oil. And what would happen was that when a servant of God was anointed for service, they would take oil and pour it upon their head. So we're going to do that. Uh, we're not going to do too much oil where you have to go and you know, get a shampoo at the hairdressers. Uh, but we're going to uh, take some anointing oil and, and, and pop it on your head. Who is looking forward to that? <laughs> so funny. Sometimes I've done these anointing kind of days, and you can see people as they get closer to you know your hand. They're you know, it's like, mm. just try and get their hair out of the way. <laughs> their precious hair. It's awesome. So God's blessing, God's presence, God's favor, and the way that God imparts the anointing in this day and age is not through liquid, but through the person of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to symbolize like they did in the Old Testament. We're going to do a symbolic act. But the way the actual anointing is going to transact is through the person of the Holy Spirit today. Okay, so as we lay hands on you and we put some anointing oil, we're going to believe Holy Spirit is going to put a transaction. He's going to impart a fresh and new anointing. We always need to top up a refresh and a refuel. Amen. Now, Jesus said... In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and and recovery of sight to the blind, to set a liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So in other words, the anointing today comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. And it is the enabling power of God to get things done in your life. The yoke that the enemy sometimes to bring and inflict us is the thing that tries to restrict us from moving and getting things done. It tries to hold us back. And so what's cool about your warfare against certain yokes in seasons of your life is the anointing. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit after you're saved. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit to help to sanctify you and fill you with the power of God so you can walk it out. Can I just say this to you? Uh, these types of days for me, when I've uh, you know, been in church life for, well, since 1999, I've been in church life. It's these types of days that I love because it reminds me of two things. It reminds me of the grace of God, that because of Jesus, we can freely come into the presence of God and, and receive a fresh anointing. It also means that the, the very fact that the way that the anointing is designed it says to you and I that God already knew beforehand that you and I would not be perfect in our own strength. 
So God designed that he would have to keep ministering the anointing through Holy Spirit because of our faith in Christ to keep topping us up because at times we're going to have setbacks and we're going to, you know, have some hindrances. So what it means is the Father heart of God already knew that at times we're going to struggle, times we're going to have uh, moments where we don't feel like we can do it in our own strength, which is a good thing because we shouldn't be trying to do it in our own strength. But it just means this, that in your identity, your identity is blessed because God doesn't see you as righteous because of your ability and your own strength. He sees you as righteous because of what Jesus has done. And so by receiving the anointing by faith, it refreshes your identity that you cannot do it in your own strength. But God, before time, already knew that and designed Holy Spirit to minister the anointing to you, to keep topping you up and to keep fueling you so that you could walk this life of victory. Who thinks that that's a good thing? So by receiving the anointing this morning, you're actually humbling yourself and saying, God, you know what? This is just a reminder to myself and to you that I can't do this in my own strength. And yes, I need a fresh anointing today. Holy Spirit, bring it on, right? Is pretty much what you're saying. And you can say that uh, by faith and expectation. A couple of other things, too, I want to talk about in terms of this teaching is we talked about the anointing and the yoke. I want to talk also about the agitation of the anointing. That you and I have to understand that when we have a day like this, that the anointing gets activated in our life, but we also have to protect the anointing. We have to put, you know, put, put a guard around our lives to protect the anointing because the enemy will, will want to come and steal it and kill it and destroy it. So I think it's wise to also know what are the things that can agitate the anointing. What are some things that can actually make the anointing quickly shift away? Uh, and that means we have to have another top up and another top up. You know, the sign of maturity is, is as we receive from the Lord, uh, we need to uh, be aware of the things that will ag- actually agitate the anointing. So even though the anointing destroys the yoke, we've also got to protect the anointing. Who believes that? So because the anointing represents the Holy Spirit, in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savior. Oh, that's pretty full on. So what this is saying in the Old Testament is, is that according to, again, if we even look at Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 30, verses 25 to 38, that God gave very special instructions on how to make the anointing oil. And Ecclesiastes 10 is actually talking that we have to be careful that dead flies, you know, this is using the Old Testament analogy, but there's truth today. So when they actually created the anointing, there were special ingredients. They had all these special spices and, and liquids in a container, and, and they'd produce the oil that was used for the anointing. And it had a pleasant fragrance to it. It had a beautiful smell to it. Um, and isn't it true that in the New Testament times, when you, when you can see the anointing on someone, there's a sweetness to their spirit. Who knows that when you know you kind of you got the anointing all over you, there's a there's a sweetness and a softness to your spirit. Has anyone experienced that? It's kind of like it's like it provides lubrication to your soul, the anointing. Um, and I want to talk about that what the Bible is trying to teach us here regarding the anointing is that we don't need to let anything bring agitation to the anointing in our lives. That sometimes there will be these flies that will try to get in and try to get into the anointing. And I want to talk about what are these dead flies, okay? Because if you think about a beautiful bowl of anointing and this dead fly is allowed to zip, it doesn't matter how great that, that smells, who knows that that's going to impact the anointing. It's going to impact the fragrance. The same is true on you and I spiritually. 
as we take the anointing on in our lives, we also have to protect and make sure that we fend off from dead flies. The good news is, is if somehow dead flies, I'm going to give you some examples of that in New Testament life, if somehow dead flies come in and affect the anointing on your life and you start to, you know, you can sense the anointing actually, you know, leaving your life because you've allowed things to come in. The good news is, by the grace of God, you can have another refresh session with Holy Spirit and you'll be repentant to the Lord and and the Lord uh, showers you with His grace and mercy and then He tops you up again. But who knows that a sign of maturity is, is rather than receiving the anointing and just go and live and open open your life to a door and allow all these flies to come in and then you have to constantly and constantly and constantly and constantly and constantly just keep having top up sessions with Holy Spirit. Who can see that that would probably be a sign of a lack of maturity and it will probably hinder your ability to progress because if the anointing is the enabling power of God to get things done he puts a certain level of anointing in your life to now go forth and walk in that anointing enabling yourself to get things done whatever you're called to do so that you progress and you move forward and you grow in the things of God but if you actually are not faithful with the anointing that's put on you it doesn't mean that you can't get keep getting topped up but it actually will impact your progress because the anointing's been impacted by flies and so whatever was placed upon you hasn't been utilized. I see it all the time. I see Christians who, they focus on the top up and they don't strategically think, well, now that I've been topped up, what am I going to do with it? So they come and they have these conferences. It's like, oh, there's going to be this massive prophetic conference. The conference to the nations and the Holy Spirit's going to be there and the anointing's going to pour out and we're going to have this massive encounter with the Holy Spirit. We do all these things and we get anointed and we get pumped and we get hyped and then they go into their life and they don't have a strategy plan of what are they going to do with the anointing and they allow these flies to come in and to erode the anointing and then they have to go and get another top up. There's nothing wrong with getting top, top ups but it's important to be faithful with the anointing, and to be very clear on what agitates the anointing. So let's have a look at these. Now, I'm preaching to myself here. I'm not perfect either. I have to learn there are certain things that will agitate the anointing on my life. So we're all learning together. Everyone say together. Okay? All right. Here we go. These are examples of dead flies. I'm going to go with that analogy. That can agitate the anointing. First one is a critical spirit. Critical spirit will be a fly to the anointing on your life. Murmuring, complaining. There's nothing that will kill the anointing faster than a critical spirit getting into the hearts and minds of people. There's nothing that will kill the family anointing more than a critical spirit. So we need to be careful about the things that we say. Who believes that? One person. Who believes that? Good. So there was a preacher on a train one time who looked over and saw a well-dressed man and a woman with all kinds of jewellery and diamonds dripping from her fingers. But she was complaining about everything. She was complaining about the train ride. She was complaining about the weather. She was complaining about the news, the food, the service. And this preacher decided he would engage this couple in a conversation. He asked the man, sir, what is your business and what do you do? And the man told the minister. And then he asked, is this your wife? He said, Yes. Well, what does she do? He said, oh, she is in the manufacturing business. Oh, what does she manufacture? The husband said she manufactures her own unhappiness. It's not a true story. It's an analogy. (laughs) Oh, it's not true. It's not as entertaining. But we get the point, right? Be careful you're not manufacturing your own unhappiness. We need to be positive. 
about our family, our church, our outlook in life. Otherwise, it will like, pull the plug on the anointing tank in your world and it will very quickly seep all that beautiful anointing out. And then you're going to have to go for another top-up without having gotten any traction with the anointing you were given. So it's one thing to receive the anointing today, but also protect it. Criticism can be a dead fly in the anointing. Second thing is marital problems. Now, I'm not just talking about the normal day-to-day misunderstandings that normal people have in their marriages and their relationships, right? Disagreement and discussion and frustration and talking things through. I mean, that's, that's normal. But I'm talking about extreme things, like really intense arguing, ongoing bitterness, and deep-rooted anger against one another can be a fly that will go and sit in the anointing. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to your wife as unto the weaker vessel, uh, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers not be hindered. So what is it saying? It's, it's actually a warning saying to husbands that you've got to be mindful of what's operating in the atmosphere of your home because if there's, if there's anger and there's friction, it actually hinders the power of prayer. When we look at prayer breaking through, getting things done, marital problems can be a fly. Now, next, next one is unforgiveness. I think that's pretty straightforward. Next one's depression, a lack of joy. If you're walking around and always seeing the bad in life, then it's going to be a dead fly in the anointing. So it's about us cultivating real joy in our lives. Notice I use the word cultivate because you have to work at it. So again, it's dealing with these things. What's interesting is the anointing, watch this now, the anointing is designed to destroy yokes. Some of the things that can uh, actually affect the anointing are the very things that the anointing is designed to destroy. Interesting. Why? Well, the anointing can destroy things. Annihilate them. So by faith, those things, the power of those things is completely destroyed and defeated. But because you and I have been given a will as in we have a willingness to do our own thing, God can't control us, we still have the ability to open the doorway in our life up to allow things to come in that the anointing has already destroyed. So there's a responsibility. There's an ability to respond. When you receive the anointing, there's a responsibility to, to look at, okay, what am I doing to protect the anointing? And the biggest end point of the equation here is the people who protect the anointing, you see the fruitfulness and the momentum in their life happen. Because there's something that's come from the anointing that's been released that season. They've been faithful with it, not perfect with it, but they've been faithful with it. They've put some boundaries in their life and they've really stepped out and you see some breakthrough and some fruitfulness. And then they go and get another top up because now they're tired and weary and they've utilized that anointing. And then they get another top up and they have more fruit or more... um, Progress. We talked last week about visionary being versus a visionary van, and we talked about the wilderness. I mean, all these themes of the Bible are so related. There are people who go round and round. They can get anointed, but then then they, they don't, um, you know, keep boundaries and keep flies out, and then the anointing 
kind of just doesn't really activate in their life because they, they didn't put some fresh boundaries in and then there's no fruit that comes from that anointing. So they'll go and get another top up, but it's what they do after receiving new anointing from the Holy Spirit that's critical.